Good morning. It's October the 6th, another beautiful fall day here, and I hope your weather is wonderful uh, wherever you are. And Thursday, we're still reading from Sharon Salzberg's book, A Heart as Wide as the World. And we'll, I'll read a little and then we'll sit together and then uh, you can go out, do what you're doing for your day. It's my brother-in-law Jeff's birthday and I actually remembered it with a little help from my daughter. <laughs> so that was good. I'm not good at remembering birthdays. So we're reading from the practice of transformation and that's the section in her book. The book has, um, the, the first part is the spirit of meditation. The second is the practice of transformation. And then the third is living with wisdom and compassion. So I guess I've been really liking the, uh, this, the practice of transformation a lot. Okay, so I don't want to read every single one. So let's read. This one is called Practicing for Dying. I anticipated my first trip to Burma with great excitement. Many of my teachers had been from Burma or had done their meditation training there, and I was going to study with their teachers. It felt as if I were going home, as I would experience more fully the lineage of teaching that I was now a part of. This was the early 1970s. However, and travel to Burma was quite restricted, the visa application process was formidable, and the longest amount of time any tourist was allowed to stay was seven days. Eventually, I would learn to prolong the length of my stay by doing what others who were interested in meditating in Burma did entering from one country like India, and after seven days leaving for a different country like Thailand or Nepal, only to apply for another seven-day visa to re-enter Burma. Some meditators did this over and over again. It was an expensive and troublesome process, but it allowed us access to that isolated land and its wonderful teachers. So, with a good deal of effort, money, and planning, I entered Burma for the first time. With high anticipation and many expectations, I arrived in the city of Rangoon and went to the meditation center where my first meditation teacher, S.N. Goenka, had studied. I began my precious seven days of practice, but very soon I developed a terrible cough. It was so persistent 
that in order to ease my bouts of coughing, I tried to sleep sitting up. I was miserable. I felt bitter and fretful. I kept thinking, I spent all this money to come here and to be with these special teachers in this magical place, and now it's all ruined because I got sick. I can't practice well, I feel awful, and I can't stop talking, coughing. <laughs> I finally said this in a complaining, self-pitying voice to Sayama, the woman who was the main teacher at the retreat center. She looked at me quietly for a moment, and then she said, Well, I guess this will be a good practice for when you die. I was dumbfounded. After all, I was a member of a very groovy generation dedicated to looking for pleasant, altered states of consciousness and amazing experiences. Like most spiritual seekers I knew, I fully intended to die consciously. I imagined I would be lying in bed, surrounded by my friends, reading aloud to me from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. There would be candles and incense and lovely music. But somehow the image of my conscious death had not included the possibility of any physical discomfort. I would be dying, but I was going to feel fine. It was shocking to realize that Sayama was absolutely right. The distressing experience of sickness I was having then was an opportunity to practice for the time when my body would be malfunctioning in death. I realized how limited my sense of spirituality was, as though mindfulness was, be, was to be applied only to the good times, as though awareness had to crumble in the face of sickness, pain, and disappointment. I had, in fact, drawn a boundary around my experience, saying, in effect, anything that falls outside of this boundary, anything I don't like, should not be a part of my reality. So I just won't pay attention to it. Whether it comes up in life or while on the meditation cushion, I won't accept it. These words still echo in my mind, and they sound just like the voice of a querulous four-year-old. Death is not necessarily a pleasant experience, and in fact, many of our life experiences are not pleasant. But these experiences are some of the most fruitful opportunities for real spiritual practice. Practice that prepares us for all of life's truths. If we have the ability to remain balanced, in the face of unpleasantness, if we can remain mindful when we are miserable, then every moment, including our last ones, may be filled with the peace that we yearn for. So today, if I am ill or in pain, I remember Sayama saying, well, I guess this will be good practice for when you die. I really like this one. I didn't, uh, I didn't know what it was going to be about. I just saw that it was her talking about going to Burma. It does say practicing for dying. Uh, but that's a, that's a wonderful one. 
We aren't, we aren't creating kind of a, uh, we're not creating a, a world, a physical world to keep us away from pain and suffering, right? We're just letting, hoping that our practice is uh, working with us through all the pain and suffering. That reminds me that the next book, and I've I've got it here because I wanted to uh, show it to you. I just got this from my good friend Allison in Las Vegas. She's become Allison from Las Vegas to everyone that when we introduce her at the temple in Woodstock when she comes to visit. But the latest gift to me, she gives me the most wonderful books, and usually they become... Uh, they're all, they become very important books, several that I've read here. But this one is from Pema Children. It's a, her latest book called How We Live is How We Die. So I think that title, How We Live is How We Die, is really beautiful. It, it fits in perfectly with uh, Sharon's essay today. So we'll definitely be reading from this Pema Chodron book, um, some pieces from it after we finish Sharon's book. So why don't we sit now and uh, let that be a way to just be, you can start with your thoughts and then you might have thoughts about the essay. But then as we sit, just try to let those thoughts just fall away and just be be in a state beyond thoughts. Just let the thoughts go. Let them come and go. I think the talk that the Billy brother Billy Tan gave last night at the temple, and it was also Zoom, uh, I thought it was a wonderful talk, and he had a great, he had a great PowerPoint presentation, and uh, and offered us the links to get that whole presentation, and uh, a couple of charts on it. There are links to those, but uh, it was a beautiful presentation, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have it'll be up on the Blue Lotus Buddhist Temple uh, YouTube page. So that'll be great. Really watch that if you can. Very uh, mindfulness is a way to build resilience in the world today. And he had a lot of good points and very good uh, referring back to the teachings of the Buddha to remind us that this very scientific information is also what the Buddha was teaching. There's not any conflict in it at all. So... Uh, I recommend that if you go to YouTube to see that. So why don't we sit? Ah, so relax the body, but tell the body that you want it to be awake right now. I feel like my camera, my uh, phone is tilted. So. Roll your shoulders back. That always helps me because if I've been sitting at a desk at the computer too long, I really, I really suffer. 
so rolling your shoulders back and really encouraging your back to be straight. And you can do that and then relax. Let the muscles around your spine relax. But you can still feel upright. We want the body to know that we want to be wakeful during our practice. We're not getting relaxed and comfortable so we can just kind of zone out. We, we want to be focused on letting go of everything. So we don't want to have pain or discomfort in the body, uh, pulling us back to the body all the time. Trying to, you know, physically feel more comfortable. Just be aware of the breath. Pick that spot where you'll feel it around your nostrils or feel your belly rising and falling. And just begin as you relax, begin to just let go of whatever you're carrying around. Let go of what you've been planning and working on and what you've been worrying about. Just for right now, see if you can let go of that. Stay in the present moment with the breath. And let all of that before stuff and future stuff, see if you can let it go for the present moment. Come back into contact with your body, how you feel. Be aware of all of the body. When we're practicing mindfulness, we're aware of everything going on. But we're not taking it up as a subject to study right now. We're just aware of the basic, the basic contact we're making with the world. Hearing sounds, smelling smells, you may have a taste of something in your mouth. Have contact on your skin, so you're feeling the temperature 
or feeling the softness of your clothes against your skin. With our eyes closed, we're cutting out some of the visual contact, but we probably still see light or color under the closed eyelids. And our mind is one of our senses, so we still are aware of thinking, and that's perfectly okay. You can notice that thoughts arise but you don't have to get involved in them or caught up in a story that they're starting for you. You can just see them arise and watch them pass away. Don't try not to think. Notice if the feelings in your body change. If you're sitting outside, you may notice the temperature changing or when the sun hits you, you warm, you have a different feeling than when you're in the shadow. The noise you hear may go from uh, pleasant birds singing to unpleasant traffic noises. Just see if you can just stay with basic, bare essence of everything your senses bring in. Just let sound be sound. We want to just see things as they actually are, but we can see how easily we bring in our own, uh, own values, our own thoughts into even our sense perceptions.
Let yourself enjoy the silence, the inner silence. If you're letting it, the thoughts go. Just be aware of inner, inner silence. Even if you're in a noisy atmosphere like I am right now. There's no need to cling to any thoughts. Come back to the breath. There's nothing else to do.
as we end our practice for today, I'd also like to send out uh, prayers and thoughts for people suffering in this country, in areas where the, where the hurricanes have created so much damage, lots of uh, loss of life, and just wiping out people's homes and the possibility of probably ever moving back in, not only in Florida and along the eastern coast, um, but any places where people are suffering and any places in other countries, in Iran, where there's a lot of political unrest, uh, countries The Ukraine, uh, Ukraine is continuing to suffer. So there are so many places in the world that are suffering. There's so much dis unrest and uh, lack of any kind of feeling of hope. So may everything we do and say and think today not only be for our own benefit, but may we send it out for the benefit of all living beings everywhere, human and non-human. Doing what we can to be a refuge for others and a refuge for ourselves. So thank you for practicing with me, and uh, I will see you tomorrow.